Welcome to Weekend Warriors, the foreign affairs podcast that asks what else is happening in the world. I'm Essie Cup. Let's talk about Russia for once, not about the 2016 election interference saga, which is important, um, and not the, the chummy Trump-Putin relationship either. Let's talk about that age-old tale, Russia has missiles aimed right at our heads, because there's a new chapter and it's right out of the 80s classic war games. Uh, you probably didn't hear about it, but last month, a Russian state TV program got foreign policy watchers' attention when TV host Dmitry Kislyov, a well-known Russian propagandist, warned of a handful of locations in the United States that could be targets for annihilation by Russia's new hypersonic weapons. Whoa. This, according to a startling report in Foreign Policy magazine, the warning comes in partial response to the U.S. withdrawal from an arms control treaty that oversaw missile deployment, um, the INF, to stave off the possibility of stationing more intermediate-range missiles in Europe, Kislyov says, quote, for now, we're not threatening anyone. But if such a deployment takes place, our response will be instant. Yikes, if that's not scary enough, Vladimir Putin told a national audience in February that Russia would deploy hypersonic weapons— We'll get to what those are. They can travel five times the speed of sound. Given their agility, we, the United States, are currently unable to defend against them. Again, according to FP, these hypersonic missiles have a much greater ability to maneuver, which could help them foil current missile defenses and slam shut an already very tight response window. Just to remind Signed in 1987 by Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev, the INF Treaty effectively removed the most powerful nukes from Europe, helping ease Cold War tensions. But with that safeguard gone now, Russia fears America will again bring those nukes back to Europe and the whole darn thing could escalate all over again. So with new high-tech weapons and a changing NATO landscape, a new administration uh, in America and a dissolved treaty, are we primed for yet another tense, drawn-out U.S.-Russia standoff? Well, before you run for the nearest bomb shelter, let's assess the meaning of this threat with CNN national security analyst Samantha Vinograd. Sam, we're laughing, but this is serious stuff. Um, I want to talk about these weapons that Russia has and the specific threat, but first I want to talk about the nature of the threat. Let's start with Kislyov. Should we trust what he is saying? Let's think about him as kind of the Russian Sean Hannity. Perfect. Perfect. That's quite an image. Yes. Let's set the context. Russia is ranked, I think, 148 on a press freedom index. So just when we think about what, quote unquote, state run media is in Mm. Russia, or even, and I'm using air quotes, no one can see, independent media in Russia, it doesn't exist. Whatever is coming from his mouth, we have to assume is probably coordinated with the Kremlin. That's both his anti-Americanism and this hyped-up notion of what Russia is or isn't capable of. Nuclear machismo. Nuclear Uh machismo (laughs) and, frankly, just propaganda. He is a propaganda mouthpiece for the Kremlin. I don't know if he and Vladimir Putin speak as much as reportedly Sean Hannity and Donald Trump Mm. do, but there's a heck of a lot of coordination going on there. So when he is saying uh, all these things about Russian military capabilities, we have to assume— it's coordinated talking points with the Kremlin, and we have to take that all with a grain of salt. Well, so that, that goes to my next question. Putin, 
who also talked about next steps potentially. Where where would you put in context his sort of blustering uh, about this right now? We have to consider Putin's talking points on any kind of threat from two perspectives. One is if you read the national security strategy for Russia, if you're as much of a wonk as I am, there is a high focus placed on political stability. Vladimir Putin is deeply concerned about stability at home, unity at home, and any uh, any uh, uh, increase in disapproval. That's mm-hmm. why he does things like arrest the opposition, limit free speech, et cetera. Yeah. When he talks about Russian capabilities, that is as much to rile us as it is to shore up domestic support at home. This is mostly for a domestic audience, and we can talk about what it should mean for us. His approval ratings are dropping. Mm-hmm. They, uh, he's under more pressure because the Russian economy is losing out because of sanctions, because of lowered oil prices and all of that. That is why he so often uses these public speeches to, mm-hmm. speeches to strut his feathers. Okay. Defense spending is something that rallies his base, and this notion – that Russia is going to be restored to the great power status that it saw during the Cold War. So he is using every opportunity both to threaten us mm-hmm. and to try to score political points at home. And yes, I know that sounds familiar uh, when we think about other leaders around the world, but that's what he's doing. Um, okay, good. So now that that's in context internally with Russia, talk about the role of China in all of mm-hmm. this bluster. So what did China hear with all of this? What China heard is that their own focus on modernizing their nuclear forces is probably smart. China probably heard that Russia is highly focused on what we call in national security speak asymmetric advantages. Where has Russia found something that they can do Mm -hmm. that they're good at that the United States isn't? China has, at least according to uh, the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, done the same kind of development on hypersonic weapons Mm -hmm. that Russia has. They are very focused on modernizing their nuclear forces. So China probably heard, hey, if Russia can do it, we better be doing it, especially because the United States has said publicly that we don't have the same capabilities. Okay, so now let's talk about these specific threats. Two of the locations we should point out, this is according to FP, that Russia singled out as targets, these U.S. locations, um, Fort Ritchie in Maryland, Fort McClellan in California, have been closed for about 20 years. Um, so I, I, how, do we, how do we sort of contextualize this threat? We should t- contextualize Russian targeting as if Russia has – I'm going to stress the has here because there's a lot of – Uh, there's a lot of discussion about whether actually Russia could deploy these hypersonic missiles or whether they're still in the testing phase. If Russia wants to target the United States, I have a feeling that they have identified priority targets in the same way that any military does that for an adversary. So why they included these closed military bases was probably to kind of lower the temperature a little bit because there's no one there. But Russia has been targeting the United States so effectively, even over the last year, through a variety of other mis- like information. Elections. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. but election. If they were able to yeah. hack into DNC emails and find those email addresses and ways in, I'm pretty confident that they have a highly prioritized target list. Okay. Uh, aside from these two military bases that are close. Okay. So let's talk about the wep- weapons themselves now. Uh, They're sneaky. They, right. And experts Super are sneaky. saying it's not how fast they go. It's how they move. Um, Kingston Rafe is the director for disarmament and threat reduction policy at the Arms Control Association. This is a quote. Their speed, accuracy, maneuverability and unusual altitude can decrease warning and decision time and increase the ability to strike nuclear related targets with conventional 
weapons. Do we currently have the capability to defend against these? We have said publicly that we don't. These are – I would say I, I'm being glib, but these are super sneaky weapons. So yeah. they can either carry conventional payloads, so like a non-nuclear weapon yeah. or a nuclear weapon. Their flight path is what makes them so difficult. When you talk about traditional ballistic and cruise missiles, their flight paths are easier to track. A ballistic missile basically has an arc. A cruise missile goes right. right. A cruise missile goes straight. The thing with the hypersonic missiles uh, and glide vehicles is they can sneak around, mm. and that makes it harder for missile defense systems to be able to plot out their course right. and to guard against them. So the technology and research and development that the U.S. government is doing right now, I would assume, is developing our own hypersonic missiles potentially and trying to figure out how to either crack the technology on the missile defense side or through covert means get more insight as to what the Russians have done with their own Mm. weapon systems. You know, on this notion, I've had a number of guests on over the past few years on podcast and other shows um, who've talked about the U.S. being outmanned by Russian technology, um, jamming our communications abilities on the battlefield, for example. In fact, uh, one source of mine on background, said he'd been involved in training exercises designed to fight blind in just such cases because of these Russian technologies that that we don't have. Are we taking Russia seriously enough when it comes to their military capabilities? I think we're taking them seriously enough in terms of conventional capabilities. But what we've learned, and you mentioned the elections, what we've learned is that Putin is really good at identifying what I said are asymmetric advantages. So finding places where he has prowess and we don't. And it's not just on the R&D side or on the tech Mm -hmm. side. It's also giving air forces the command and control to respond to Russian threats. So, for example, on the cyber side, Russia is so good at information warfare. There's a whole uh, defense intelligence agency report that talks about how good they are at information warfare in addition to the nuclear stuff. President Trump did not had not immediately and Obama had not immediately, as far as we know, authorized offensive cyber ops against Russian mm-hmm. targets. So it's the tech, it's R and D, and then it's the command and control really catching up to what the Russians are authorized to do. Mm. Do we want to do everything that Russia does? Are we going to play by the same rules as Russia? Right. Putin's betting that we don't. Because <laughs> we're a democracy we're and a we've democracy. got some checks and balances, right? And right? we care about things that he does not. Yeah. He's betting that we don't. The Chinese are betting that we don't. And that, to me, is a fundamental question that uh, Trump needs to answer, both when it comes to nuclear weapons. We just withdrew from right. this nuclear treaty. And then things like cyber warfare and uh, other non-conventional areas. That's why it's so important when people, you know, pundits like like me get up and talk about trying to pin down the Trump doctrine when it comes to foreign policy and foreign affairs. It's so important because not knowing where we stand as mm-hmm. a nation infects and affects so many of these different battlegrounds, real and theoretical. Um, so sum up with me, Sam, on a scale of war games to hunt for red october to red dawn <laughs> Sleep tight america <laughs> how serious how serious is the threat of russian aimed nuclear weapons what keeps me up at night is not russian nukes okay what keeps me up at night is the ongoing information warfare attack against our country and think about how much money we spend we have the largest defense budget in the world uh, by leaps and bounds the Internet Research Agency, uh, which attacked us during our election, I think their operating budget in 2016 and 2017 was like $12 million. An F-35 costs like you know five or six times right. that. So right. They're the Blair Witch Project of <laughs> – <laughs> But what Russia has done 
both in the information domain and the nuclear domain and elsewhere, is find this asymmetric advantage and really test the question of are we willing to play by Russia's rules? Yeah. And that that's just an argument, a discussion that I hope is happening in the situation room right. to weigh the pros and cons because it's it is a slippery slope. If we start doing everything Putin's doing right. or coming close. But I do think that the Pentagon is looking at and should be looking at parity with the Russians in terms of nuclear forces. Mm. But just being realistic that if Russia wanted to launch a nuke at, nuke at us tomorrow, what that would look like in terms of cost to Russia right. uh, and, right. and Russians uh, and that sort of thing. Sam Vinograd, so glad you were here. Happy topics always. I know. On national security. You're welcome. Good conversation. This has been Weekend Warriors. I'm Essie Cobb. Thanks for listening and see you next time.